We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now to talk about our friends at Lamb Chops is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we are sponsored by Lamb Chops. Check them out, sglambchops.com. Follow, follow them on Instagram at sglambchops. It's our Minnesota-based fashion brand founded in 2012. And I never thought I'd have a favorite brand, but here we are. Promo code candlestick20 for 20% off um, at, at sglambchops.com. And yeah, the clothing is comfortable, clothing is comfortable, high quality. Um, If it's hot where you are, if you're anywhere in Northern California, it's pretty warm. The mesh shorts are perfect for it. Comfortable, stylish. Um, What else could you really want in a clothing brand? Because I think there are so many times these days when you have to sacrifice cool looks for uh, for comfort. And I think Lamb Chops does a great job at, at bridging that gap. 100%. That's why they're my favorite fashion brand. Chris, I believe they're yours. And listener, they should be yours too. Get in get in with the herd today at sglambchops.com. Follow them on Instagram at sglambchops. Promo code candlestick20 at sglambchops.com for 20% off. All right. 49ers offensive line as our position previews continue. Let's dive in. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. care less about individual players on the on the 49ers offensive line and more about that this is the second year in a row that they have questions at multiple spots and I think it's kind of interesting because I'm of the mind so you and I both going into last year thought okay it's Aaron Banks who's going into his second year after not playing in year one. 
it's Jake Brendel, who's a journeyman who's never been a full-time starter before at center. And at right guard, it's Spencer Burford, a fourth-round draft pick from University of Texas San Antonio. That's three significant question marks. And it wound up not being a huge problem, but they weren't earth-shatteringly awesome either. And now it's that same trio again this year with Colton McKivitz at right tackle. I just think of any issues that could arise with this Niners roster. I think the offensive line is the one where I could see something popping up. Yeah, you can make a case that it's the Achilles heel, particularly of the offense. I, I think there, there are different ways to approach the conversation because um, you can look at it just based on the numbers from last year, the 49ers allowed just 31 sacks, which I think is the sixth fewest in the league. Um, mm-hmm. PFF had them as the fifth best uh, pass blocking group in terms of their pass blocking efficiency metrics in 2022. Um, but I think where where the conversation really needs to start probably goes back to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and the NFC mm-hmm. Championship game against the Rams. And I guess to a lesser extent, last year's NFC Championship game against the Eagles Because in the biggest moments, the 49ers offensive line has been an issue. And obviously, look, the the Eagles game, the quarterback was a far bigger issue than the offensive line. You have something you want to Yeah, I think just I want you to continue. I think you can just take the Eagles game off the table and put the Cowboys game there instead. Yeah, that's fair, too. That's fair, too. So, like, yeah, the 49ers absolutely had a serviceable offensive line. Um, I think the offensive line is aided a lot by Kyle Shanahan's scheme because, look, when you run so many screens and quick passes, you're putting your offensive line in favorable positions. You can, And you can even go back to 2019. The Niners went down to play the Rams without Joe Staley and without Mike McGlinchey. You were both dealing with injuries. Right. And going into it, we're like, this is a huge problem. Like how mm-hmm. and and it wasn't a problem, right? You you had in 2019, um, Justin School, I believe, was yeah. going against Miles Garrett, and we all thought that would be a huge problem. And Justin School didn't allow a sack in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that you could just put on Kyle Shanahan being an excellent play caller, offensive designer, um, to you know, get the ball to his playmakers quickly. So you're not putting your offensive line on an Island and, you know, the way the 49ers play, if they're leading, you know, they're not going to be five, seven, five or seven step drops, which is where these sacks happen. Right. And if the offensive, if the offense overall is functioning at a high level, you're not going to have too many third and tens, which is where all these sacks come from, or a lot of the sacks come from, I should say. That's that's I guess the the reason I I wouldn't call it an issue because they might be fine. They were for the most part last year fine. They weren't world beaters and when you have Trent Williams as your left tackle who's maybe the best football player in in the NFL like that's you'll you're you're going to look maybe a little bit better as a, as a unit than than then the, the sum is greater than the parts. The end of it. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to. What's the sum? Phrase sum is greater than or the. Yeah. Sum is greater than the value <laughs> of the parts or something. Yeah, I don't know, but 
having Trent Williams helps. It's like that needs to be said. But I I have a hard time calling it an issue for the 49ers. But I'm also hesitant to just pencil in like, oh yeah, Aaron Banks, who was he, he was pretty good last year, is gonna get better. And Jake Brendel, who's going into his second year as a starter now, is gonna take a leap and he's gonna get even better. Spencer Burford wasn't even playing 100% of the snaps last year. He was rotating in with Daniel Brunskill. And now he is considered, Chris Forster, the offensive line coach, has said he's going to be the starter. It is his job to lose. He said the same thing about Colton McKivitz at right tackle. That's two pretty significant question marks on, on the right side. And you lose a veteran in Mike McGlinchey, who for all the ire he drew from, from the fan base, was a, was a good player. He's a quality player. Yeah. So... Like I said, I wouldn't I'm not I don't want to sit here and say that the 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 world is ending because the Niners didn't do more on the offensive line this offseason. But I think like you said, okay, they might win 13, 14 games, but when you have to if you have to go to Philly or or face Philly in the playoffs, how does that look? If you have to face Dallas in the playoffs, how does that if you face Chris Jones again? or the Bengals have a very good defensive line. What does it look like in those spots? And that's the lens that you have to view everything through. So, yeah, like I would say the Niners offensive line has to punch above its weight to play well in those scenarios. Like this isn't aside from Trent Williams, there's no one, none of the other four guys are you like, yep, can count on them to hold up on third and 12. Mm-hmm. in a road playoff game or in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl against one of the best pass rushers in the league. At right? least like that's they, how it feels right now. Yeah, yeah, they would have to exceed expectations and or punch above their weight. You don't look at it. You don't look at, you know, Spencer Burford against Chris Jones, potentially like, oh, yeah, that's the Niners are going to be that. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't have to ski. Look, here's you shouldn't have to scheme around your offensive line. And I get that finding good offensive line play is hard. And that's why I don't want to harp too much on the lack of depth where what happens if they have an injury on the offensive line. It's like John Feliciano or Jalen Moore or Matt Pryor. It's just there's not. But I think that's probably the case for 29 or 30 other teams. Yeah. Where you have one major injury on the offensive line and it's going to throw things out of whack. Most offensive lines are not good. Just yeah. inherently. Yeah. So the question becomes, like you said, that's why I think it's a question mark. It's a, I wouldn't call it a, a problem. But maybe Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford do take significant leaps this year. And you have Aaron Banks in a Pro Bowl, and all of a sudden the Niners have this just mauling offensive line that is you know, one of the best five offensive lines in football, in which case the Niners' offense is, is cooking. And I, I, I do think that's on the table. But... I also, I think if you're going to look at this offseason, I think John Feliciano is a nice ad. It's a versatile interior lineman. You have Matt Pryor and Jalen Moore who can who can play inside and and outside probably as your as your tackle options, your swing tackle options. But the fact that they didn't do anything to bring in competition for Colton McKivitz, for example, I thought for sure they were going to use the third round pick on a right tackle and let those two duke it out for a starting job. But no, they're just going to hand it to Colton McKivitz. 
and maybe it's fine. Maybe they've earned the benefit of the doubt in this in this scenario. But if he doesn't hit the ground running where he's at least a league average right tackle out of the gate, it could be a pretty significant problem. Where now they're having to shuffle offensive linemen and move guys around, and now there's turmoil up front as they're trying to keep Brock Purdy upright and healthy. It's just, I think if if you're looking at this offseason for the second year in a row, I just have I, I question a little bit whether they've they've done enough at a at a pretty important spot. Okay, so what are what are the odds do you think or what's the likelihood that they're going into the season over the cap has them at 9.6 million in cap space right now, which will probably increase once Nick Bosa's extension um, Mm -hmm. becomes official and this year's cap number drops. So say the Niners are at 15 million. Do you think Kyle Shanahan's going into it? Like, and if we have a problem, We'll go get somebody at the deadline. No, because I don't know if offensive linemen are just available. Okay. Like that's that would be the the concern I have. Maybe there's a guy who's gonna be a free agent on a bad team and they're not gonna pay him and he'll he'll be available for a third round pick. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know offensive line depth charts like that. But I don't I think they're gonna roll with these guys. Like that's been their MO, right? Is hey Aaron Banks is their guy. They're gonna roll with it. Jake Brendel, it's Chris Forster's guy. They're gonna they're gonna roll with it. Colton McKivitz, he's been in the program for it's my new thing. Been in the program. He's been in the program for for this will be his. You're, third you're a real football guy. Oh, huge football guy, and he is too. He's a bona fide dirt dog. So this is his what third fourth season with the team. He's 2020, so 20 21 22 fourth season with in the program. And I like, I get it. I get that that's their MO, but I just, I have concerns and I, I'm pretty surprised that they don't. Yeah. I I think we're probably aside from Trent Williams, we're probably looking at best case scenario, a league average group, which is, which could be fine during the regular season. But I, I think we have to reiterate like a league average group, there it's a clear Achilles heel mm-hmm. barring anything unforeseen going into the playoffs. You look at it. If you're an opponent of the 49ers, you say, all right, quarterbacks can highly fun. Assuming they, they get the same version of Brock Purdy they got last year, highly functioning quarterback, mm-hmm. perhaps the best offensive play caller and designer in the league, or at least one mm-hmm. of the top three or four one of the two or three best groups of skill position players in the league, maybe the best running back tandem in the league, certainly the best fullback in the league. But if you look at, if you, if you're an opponent looking at the 49ers, you say, all right, if we get them, we got to get them by beating their offensive line. We got to get them by winning in the trenches. Yeah. And when the 49ers have got, got in the playoffs, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So it happened against the Chiefs. It's what happened against the Rams. Jimmy Garoppolo fell apart, no doubt, in those situations. Mm-hmm. But a a big contributing factor to him falling apart was the protection not being there when the 49ers mm-hmm. needed it. That's kind of one of the things I'm interested to see this year if if Brock Purdy plays, you know, if he starts week one, if his ability to escape the pocket 
and throw the ball away to get rid of the ball quickly, if that makes the offensive line look better, even if it doesn't, you know, improve based on, you know, the the fine points of of coaching an offensive line play that go over my head, even if it doesn't, does it look better on paper where, oh, they allowed fewer sacks and, oh, they kept a quarterback healthy for the whole year and their run game was still good. I'm, I, I definitely think that's on the table, but <laughs> I know pro football focus is not the end all be all, but I do think this is interesting. Trent Williams was the best run blocker on the team last year among offensive line. Well, best run blocker on the team last year, 91.8 grade. That is a, that is an deep ocean blue. <laughs> Next is Mike McGlinchey at 70.7. That's a, that's a strong Kelly green. So same color as my cell shirt for the A's. After that, you have to get to Jake Brendel at a 61.9, which is like gold, which is not great. It's about average for their starting offensive linemen. Yeah, you want blues and greens. Right. At least at least like a light green. And then you get down, you have Aaron Banks at a 57.2. And Spencer Burford at a 49.1. And that's just run blocking. That's the kind of stuff like that's where those guys are going to need to get better. I know a lot of the focus is on pressure and pass blocking and, and keeping the quarterback upright. I, I totally get that. But the Niners have to run the ball. That is the foundation of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. So I guess that's where even more than keeping a keeping a quarterback from getting hit, it's man, can they run their offense? Can they be efficient on the ground consistently enough that it takes the onus off of their quarterback the way that they want it to? I'm going Kyle back. Shannon apparently thinks so. Yeah. No, I, I'm going back to last year's trade deadline. And I probably should have done a deeper dive on this before we started potting. That's fine. Um, I don't see any tackles that got uh, that got traded. Yeah, man. If you have a good tackle, oh, you're wait. hanging on to him. The Patriots trades uh, swing tackle Justin Heron and a 2024 seventh-round pick to the Raiders for a 2024 sixth-round pick. Huge. Probably not the type of deal we're talking about. Like the Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders or Christian McCaffrey of right tackles, pro- you pro- to your point, probably going to have a hard time finding that guy. At the trade deadline. Yeah. So. Like I said, I don't want to call, I don't want to act like we're ringing alarms here and saying that this is going to be a disaster. But I do think, you know, we've talked so much as we've done these previews where we talk about how good the running back room is. Oh, the receiving room is really good. The tight end room, it's George Kittle and they're, they're figuring stuff out behind him. All these kind of things where it's, a very good roster, but I do think that this is this is one area that if we are doing a post-mortem on the season sometime in January or, or February, and if it doesn't end the way they want it to, I think a big culprit there could be, hey, this offensive lineman or this pair of offensive linemen really struggled in big spots. And I don't think that's unfair. No. Like you said, it's a question mark. Like we we feel really good about most of the roster because most of the guys 
in those spots, we've seen play well in big moments. We've seen Fred Warner ball out in big games. We've Mm -hmm. seen George Kittle. We've seen Debo Samuel. We've seen Trent Williams. You know, all all the guys, like you can go up and down the roster, and I think it's Mm -hmm. fair to look at all all the position groups, and if you were to point out the weakest one, it's probably the offensive line. Yeah, And that's relative to the rest of the roster, which is really strong. That's not to Mm -hmm. say the offensive line can't be good enough, but we just don't know that it's good enough where we know the receiving core, if everybody's healthy, is good enough. We know the defensive line, if everybody's healthy, is good enough because we've seen it. We just, for the offensive line to play at the level that it needs to for the 49ers to win a championship, that would be new relative to what the group has done. Mm Mm-hmm. And yes. even going back to, you know, I know it's a it's a largely different, it's actually an entirely different group from 2019. But like even the 20 the 2019 iteration mm-hmm. didn't hold up in the fourth quarter of that Chiefs game. Yeah. Mike Person at right guard really struggled. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's your friends Kyle and Chris here with SG Lamb Chops, our homies. And our favorite fashion brand. Check them out at sglambchops.com. Go to Instagram and follow them at sglambchops. What's that? That's a Minnesota-based fashion brand. They were founded in 2012, and they emphasize attention to detail and premium quality, and that's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand Cleaver logo. It's so sick. It's such a sick logo. It's just a really clean, just a cleaver, and it's a custom cut and fit for every single piece. Chris, you and I both have a closet full of this stuff. And I've yet to have something from them that I don't like. I think the emphasis is definitely on quality and comfort. And we talked about it before, but we live in an era where comfort is really at the forefront when it comes to clothing. And with all these athleisure brands, very few of them are fashionable. But Lamb Chops takes all that comfort and that quality that you need. And they happen to make very fashionable items. Also, you can get Just very comfortable mesh shorts with pockets. We all love those, but they can look a little bit boring sometimes. You can get some leopard print. You can get some inverted leopard print. So the inverted leopard print looks kind of cool. It looks almost like a dark camo. Well, you can get regular leopard print if you want to stand out a little bit. Um, You and I have both rocked the various animal prints. They're not even animal prints, but they're just you can get shorts with 
orcas and wolves and lions, mm. favorite animals. Um, you can get basic sweatshorts. Um, everything's just super comfortable, super premium and super stylish. And I think that's that's just a great combo for for any clothing brand. But Lamb Chops really stands out among the rest for that. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we love working with them. Lamb Chops is leading the herd with original and high quality clothing. They offer one of a kind clothing options from unique statement pieces to your everyday essentials. So join the group that's leading the herd, SG Lamb Chops. That's sglambchops.com. And on Instagram at sglambchops. Follow them right now. Can we, I want to grab the Oakley spotlight real quick. Get your pair of Oakley's today at oakley.com. Get the prison lens technology in your life. I want to real quick, we're talking about all the question marks. Can we shine the Oakley spotlight real quick on Trent Williams? Who is just quietly unbelievable, as unbelievable now as he was five, six, seven years ago. He's really, really waiting, good. I keep waiting for the stretch of games where we're it's six games into the season and we're going, man, you know what? Trent Williams is re- kind of struggled this year. <laughs> like, man, it's not, he's not bad, but boy, there's been some really rough reps. No, no, no. And I think that's a big reason why any semblance of confidence in this in this group, I think that's where it's founded. Yeah. They have the best left tackle in football and a coach that can scheme around an offensive line. And as long as you have those two things, you're set. And you mentioned and the th- run blocking. I mean, you you obviously don't want to telegraph your intentions as a play caller. But mm-hmm. man, like if you line up George Kittle next to Trent Williams and like and you have Kyle Juszczyk on that side of the field and maybe you have Juwan Jennings in the slot or something, you're probably going to get some yards. You tell yeah. the defense, hey, guys, run an outside zone left. Yeah, <laughs> come come defend it. <laughs> you're still probably getting six yards. Trent Williams is an unbelievable player. Also, hey, remember that whole thing last year where somebody went and found that Trent Williams was tipping plays based on how he was setting his feet up? Mm-hmm. A, the Niners offense still super efficient. B, Trent Williams still super good. Maybe it doesn't yeah, matter that much. that wasn't really a thing. Yeah. That was... wasn't really a thing. That was kind of a weird story. <laughs> is Trent Williams a problem with the Niners offense? Right. Yeah. Sure. And that's what I as I was talking to somebody in in public about the 49ers. And in public, wow. Yeah, in public, no big deal. And <laughs> <laughs> and they said they brought up the Trent Williams injury situation or scenario. Said, well, what if man, what if Big Trent gets hurt? Like, man, I don't know. Like, that's be- what it what if any team's best Player right. What if hurt. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt? Yeah, the Chiefs right. are hurt. <laughs> yeah, right. The Niners are probably hosed in that spot. Not a lot of teams can afford their left tackle going down. Yeah. But but again, that's one of those that's even one of those things where they'd probably figure it out in the regular season, but come playoff time where you start to play the best teams in the league week in and week out. Yeah. What does that look like? And that's where I could see it becoming a problem, but do you Anyways, watch that's that's the Oakley spotlight Trent Williams I, I we've been you know questions and concerns and this and that Trent Williams is the player I'm least concerned about 
do you watch Maybe european the entire NFL. do you watch european soccer or football as many would call it define watch so my point here is trent williams looks like the way he moves he moves like a 160 pound midfielder for, oh, nice. for yeah. like an epl yeah, yeah. team <laughs> but yeah. he's but he's 320 pounds and will destroy any human in his path <laughs> it is like it's it's amazing to watch him move at the size that he is it's it doesn't make sense it's like it's he's he's once in a generation type athlete he's he's so good that we just never talk about it like like yeah we know Trent Williams man which is why I wanted to get him under the the Oakley spotlight have you ever seen the videos of him working out Yes, I where have. He's doing that where he's doing that thing where you jump over hurdles, but you don't like gather. You just right. jump and hit the ground and jump over the next one. He's doing that over like full sized hurdles at six, five, 340 pounds or whatever he is. He's not that big, but six, five, 320. And he's just nimble. What would it look like if they lined him up at running back for a full game? I've never seen him with the ball in his hands, but they should try to get him a touchdown, like a play action, you know, like passed at the goal line. Well, they tried, remember? Yeah, they tried. But then Against, I think well. it was Jacksonville. Yeah, they should they should do that again. Um, I did really enjoy. It's too bad that his ankle got screwed up in the playoffs a couple years ago, but when they put him in motion in Green Bay, like what do you do? Oh. Man? What do you do? You're the- you're a nickel corner. And you're playing up. It's a short yardage situation. And, and then all of a sudden, Trent Williams is running your way full speed. <laughs> like, what do you do? And it's not like he's moving at a speed where you can just, oh, he's coming. Let me dodge it real quick. Right. By the time you realize what's happening, he's on. Yeah. God, so terrifying. Anyways, that's the Oakley spotlight. Trent Williams, good as hell at football. Visit Oakley.com <laughs> today. Trent Williams. Yeah, I think overall. Trent Williams is the Oakley sunglasses of left tackles. Wow, that's a great point. Good against a run, good against a pass. I'm sure, if you wanted, you could hand it to him or throw it to him. Looks good on or off the field. <laughs> yeah, and he's got prism lens technology. <laughs> I think he might wear an Oakley visor. Don't hold me to that, but I think he might. Sure, and if he's not, he should. Yes, <laughs> thousand percent. Do you think any uh so right now it's Trent Williams left tackle, Aaron Banks left guard. I think lock him in. Yeah. Jake Brendel locked in at center. Yes. They gave him a four year deal. So he's locked in at center. Spencer Burford locked in at right guard. I'm I think I'm higher on on Spayberg. You're a big Spayberg guy. Than uh than most. Um, but I, I will say that part of that is like covering him and talking to him like the couple of times that I have, I think he's just kind of made of the right stuff. <laughs> no, but I, I'm serious. Like, I, I do think I he's, not, saying, yeah. he's not like a. Uh, I don't know. I think he gets it. I think he works hard. I think physically he's got the tools. Um, he just has to do it. And, you know, it's. Guard is a sneaky, really difficult position to learn in the NFL mm-hmm. because everything happens so much faster at guard than it does even, say, at tackle because 
you know, the tackle, you you really have like you have the outside edge, right? You have the wide mm-hmm. gap, and then you have the inside gap, but that's like that's kind of in front of you. When you're the guard, you're reading both gap, you're reading all the gaps, and you have to react quickly because the blitz from the inside linebackers comes a lot faster mm-hmm. than the outside blitz does if you're a tackle. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just a lot of thinking really quickly, reacting really quickly. So I do like, do I think he's going to be a pro bowler? Probably not, but I think he can be a league average right guard. Um, Given the 49ers propensity to not love playing young players, the fact that they were comfortable playing him as much as they did in year Mm -hmm. one, I think bodes well for his long-term prognosis, but it still wasn't a scenario where he was getting a hundred percent of the snaps because they felt the need to, to rotate Daniel Brunskill in for, for whatever reason, that was probably <laughs> the weirdest thing of like of last year. Okay. Weirder. Okay. Let me real quick. Let me say something Actually, about w- Spencer Burford. Real quick. Maybe not I the wanna, weirdest, but one of the weirder, uh, weirder I want to put a pin in it. I'm going to make a case that it was the weirdest thing that happened last year. They took Jimmy Ward away from free safety. Okay, no, but that. I'm good. But hang on, let me let me real quick. That is a a good point you make about Burford because he played all over the line in college, and this was the first time he's gotten like a full season at right guard where it was a full off season, and then the entire regular season, and now he has another off season to learn the offense. He's he's gonna get an NFL training room on an NFL nutrition plan. He's gonna get stronger and he knows he's going to play right guard the biggest leap guys make in their careers right. is from rookie right their rookie year to year two purportedly yeah. so it's a it's a it's a question for sure but i think that that's a if you're going to be optimistic about it i think that's a a reason to be optimistic that that he could get pretty significantly better here in his second season. The rotating at right guard thing was the weirdest thing that happened last year, and here's why. A, because they were rotating right guards. B, Kyle Shanahan, when asked about it, was like, well, defensive linemen rotate, so why not do it with offensive linemen? Yeah, I asked him that what? question. That's insane. <laughs> That's what? Just be like, you know, we're figuring out who the best player is, and we're doing what's best for our team, or something like that. But going, yeah, what? Is that weird? You're weird your face <laughs> like, dude, i asked him that question what i, I asked him you. that question on a conference call and i remember just being like, okay all right all right kyle cool um what what was weird though is he made a point and i wish i remember what it was it was later in the season in one of his press conferences where he made the point that you don't rotate at other positions yes and it, and it, and it was i forget exactly what it was but it, and and i was like but you you, you do it at right guard <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you, this, this is the right thing that happens at right guard <laughs> like i said it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been weird if he had just answered like yeah we're figuring out who the best player is we're giving our we think we're giving ourselves the best chance to win by doing this yeah instead of just going like what are you dumb like of course <laughs> right. we're rotating at right guard yeah obviously yeah, that, was, that was funny um can we can we switch gears real quick before we get out of here sure um, I want to I want to give this podcast props for having wow. Debo Samuel on the pod and him not hanging up on us mid interview. <laughs> Did that happen again? No, that happened. That happened this week. Did you what? not see it? 
No, I since I've deleted Twitter off my phone, bro, I see nothing now. Oh, he went on. I think it was. Gosh, I think it was CBS Sports, like Sirius or something. And he went on, and they the the guy was asking him. I think it was a Philly guy, and he was asking him about the Philly game, and he was like, "Hey, I know after after the Eagles game, you said that you know you thought you you guys would have won. Do you still feel that way?" And like, what's like you know Debo? Like, what's he gonna say? You know, like, and he goes, uh, "Nah." He, he goes, "Yeah, but we're not. You know, we we don't care about that right now, basically." Uh-huh. And then the guy followed up. And I forget exactly what the follow up was, but it was but Debo's you could hear Debo say, hey, to whoever like the the comms person was or like the <laughs> <laughs> the, R per- the PR person was. He just goes, hey. And then uh, this woman comes on the phone and she's like, all right, this this is kind of over. <laughs> Debo Debo is just like, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing this line of questioning about about the Eagles again. <laughs> yeah, it makes like sense. in July. Well, he gets when he most recently got asked about it, he answered the same way he did. This is in like May. He answered the same way he did at the Super Bowl. And then he goes back into the headlines. People are like, wow, rent free. Like, no, man, he got freaking asked about it. Right. There's there's absolutely an element of like. Media people trying to get an answer from out of somebody so Mm -hmm. they can go viral online. And like, you know, do the huffing with anger emoji next in the tweet, yeah. like yeah. Debo Samuel hasn't forgotten or yeah. whatever, you know, and like we're also can we can we just knock it off <laughs> with trying to drag athletes for being confident in themselves and their team? Right. Yeah. Like, nah, we we're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to get worked. Yeah. And then they ended up like, like I, we talked about that. I don't want I, you can Debo were both like, yeah, they're their past events going to get exposed against the chiefs and they did. Yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> yeah. I think we Fine. should, we should definitely try to get candid answers from athletes, but we need to find the line between getting candid answers from athletes, which we all appreciate, which we all want as consumers of content, but also not just like, Hey, let's get him to say shit so we could burn them and let's right. let, and so have, funny. have our only goal be to go viral on the internet. Yes, I get engagements are important, but like, let's let let's understand that these are humans, not just like viral content machines. Right. Right. Pretty easy. Anyways, let's get Debo on the pod and ask him him about that interview. (laughs) You still think you would have beat the Eagles? (laughs) See if we can go for the record shortest interview. (laughs) One last thing on my list here. Are you concerned at all about Colton McKivitt's? And let less about because they've said he's going to be the starter. Okay, and and that's I I think that's probably fine. My greater concern is that they didn't they did really nothing to insulate against a situation where Colton McGivens doesn't play well. My fear would be that, I mean, we could look at it at this a couple different ways, and this is going to be a classic me fence sitting answer. I love this. We've talked about it going into a bunch of different seasons where the 49ers have had positions where they didn't really address them in meaningful ways that they needed to, right? And the classic quote is always like, it's hard to beat out Cassius Marsh. And we're all just kind of like, is it? And then defensive line or defensive end is a big issue. And then the next offseason, 
they happen to have the number two pick where they take Nick Bosa and they trade mm-hmm. for D Ford and give him a massive contract. So clearly they understood in hindsight, or maybe even at the time, but maybe Kyle Shanahan was just trying to save face. This could be that situation, but at right tackle. Mm. Or it could be, no, McKivitz is really good. They could really yeah. believe in McKivitz. But Kyle Shanahan kind of has a history of like punting on positions because, I mean, it, let's face it, like it's not always easy to get a premium guy at a premium position when you are paying so many other guys and you don't really mm-hmm. have draft picks. Right. Like, even if they had drafted a dude in the third or fourth round to play right tackle, there's no guarantee that that guy would have been good enough to come in and start. Yeah, no doubt. But I'm surprised. I'm just, I guess I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't do anything to like Matt Pryor. Yeah, That's, no, I, I agree yeah. with you. Like this, this feels like edge rushers in 2018. This feels like cornerback in 2021. But right? also, also to an extent, I think they've a little bit earned the benefit of the doubt to, like I said, I'm not going to drag them and say that they stink now because of this. But no, it, I think but if it's, you're, it's a risk. I think I think of anything that's like a concern. I think it is McKivitz in that right tackle spot. Everything else is like a question mark. Okay, I got to see it again from Brendel. I got to see it again from Banks and Burford. I need to see him take a little step forward. Okay, McKivitz. I genuinely that the the sample size is small, but it hasn't been awesome. He's sort of held his own. But it hasn't been. Like, he's had some good socks off. Excellent. He's had some decent games and spot starts. There was that one against the Rams, I think, at the end of 2021. Yeah, 2021. Um, that was a left tackle. And yeah, yeah but, it, was... but even in that game, I think he gave up two sacks. Like he was okay given his status, but it wasn't. I didn't watch that going, wow, they need to make him a starter someday. We're going to know really early how cold McKivitz is because he gets TJ Watt in week one. Yeah. But uh, counterpoint, I'm also not going to base his entire season off that. TJ Watt's a good player. No, he is. But like if it's if it's just in school versus Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett gets shut out, then you're like, okay, this might not be terrible. But if if TJ Watt has two and a half sacks and forces a fumble and the Niners lose by a score, then it's like, okay, this might be an issue. Yeah. Yep. Anyways fascinated to watch what their offensive line looks like that's all i have to say that's uh i think without like i think we do a good job of taking something as potentially boring as the offensive line and turning it into like a reasonable god i hope so i hope so (laughs) shoot me a thread if you want this combo (laughs) send me a thread (laughs) hit me up on spoutable If you like this one. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't like, I personally don't know enough about like the intricate details of offensive line footwork and hand placement and stuff like that to dive into it. I'd be lying to you if I was like, yeah, I just didn't love his kick last year. (laughs) Yeah. I thought he could have anchored better. (laughs) More on five step drops and three step drops. Needed more punch from his hands. Just, I love the way this is my favorite one. I love the way he climbs into the second level. <laughs> I like um shocks defenders. There's <laughs> a, like there's when 
it's a scouting term where like an it's offensive line hands like yeah like throw like thrusts his yeah. his hands into the defender's chest yeah like, shocking hands shocks the defenders yeah got a lot Football. of sand in his ass or whatever <laughs> sand, sand in his is... pants <laughs> sand in his pants i think is the term god that would be funny if someone's like yeah he's got a lot of sand in his ass like that's hey that's... that doesn't sound hygienic that doesn't hey, sound hygienic that's... or that's my new scouting term for a quarterback with like happy feet in the pocket He's got sand in his ass, and he just can't quite like, get comfortable. Okay, we need to go. Let's get yeah, out of here. Go. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We'll talk about the defensive line next time. If you've not caught the rest of our position previews, this wraps up our offensive position preview. We have uh, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and our offensive line. We will do the defensive side beginning next week. Subscribe, rate, and review if you have not done that. A week from today, yeah, it's July 11 today. A week from today, uh, Niners rookies will report for camp. Two weeks from today, the 49ers veterans will report to camp, and then they will begin camp shortly after that. Super excited. Can't wait. Thank you, everybody, for listening, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We will talk to you next time. Clark.